Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn hero, sir. Ain't we just? This is about the fourth time someone's tried to kill you. I'm an Irish Catholic with the grace of God on my shoulder. If any of these maggots from the so-called mafia want to come after me, I'm not a hard man to find. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and I have watched up to episode eight of the mandalorian so i think there are two days two episodes and then that's the end of the season right so um i yeah so i've i've watched that far into the mandalorian hi i'm producer dave and all i can say to that is well done it's about time <laughs> it, it's been difficult it's been difficult with all the stuff that i that, you know loaded up and whatnot um i've i'm i'm and i'm i'm going through i'm pounding right through the episode but here's the thing and here's this is the thing i i, I guess we could have talked about this in spotlight but I, i'd like to talk about this now and then we'll move on to talk about more stuff um i've been seeing a lot of like youtube again you know the youtubes and the twitters and all that stuff complain about different shows and whatnot i've been seeing a lot of people complaining about this season of the mandalorian now i think i understand what the complaints are i, I haven't been listening to what what they've been saying mainly because i don't want spoilers i want to go and watch the episode but from what i'm seeing from quick headlines it's always about how to ruin a show or why the mandalorian has fallen off and whatnot producer dave you finished the season is that correct yep i have do you feel that the mandalorian season three is a drop-off from season one and season two 
I think season three is setting up for a new, well, I think they have to mesh um, Mandalorian into the Star Wars story as a whole. So they're, okay. they're treading very, very carefully. And they're also setting it up for either season four or a new film where the Mandalorian is going to be in. So some of the episodes are not what you'd expect from the Mandalorian. There's one episode, I think you would have seen it already, where they're on a planet, but it's focused mostly on the spy and one of the doctors. Yeah. You've seen it, have you? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And for me, I was like, what the hell? You know? Yeah, yeah. because that was a completely, that was an episode almost bereft of the, of, um, uh, um, uh, I keep forgetting his name, the, of the Mandalorian. And Google. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it becomes more important later on. It, it was setting up for a, well, that was a start of a, a storyline that sure. comes to fruition in, in the next couple of episodes. Okay. Um, so f for thrills wise, it's not the same. Story okay. wise, there is more going on. There's a lot more going on and the threads are a little bit more diffuse as well. You see, that's my, that's what I suspected, right? That's what I suspected because I, I'm, I've got two more episodes to go to finish the, sh the season. And from my immediate take from it, I'm enjoying the season 100%. I pretty much just finished watching the, uh, the Lizzo, Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd episode. And I really enjoyed it. I, they, Jack Black and Lizzo—they are who they—they—they—they they, 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 the characters they play is exactly what they're supposed to be playing. It's who those people are supposed to be. I know there was a lot of um, again the conservative, and that's what I'll call them—the conservative, uh, you know, critic critics on YouTube, etc. They're the ones who always zone in. They're the ones who slammed She-Hulk. I mean, so fair enough. Yeah, but you happened. agreed with them on that. Yeah, I agreed with them on that point. That's the thing. It's like you, you know, you know, a show is terrible. You know, a show is terrible when you have to then turn around and agree with people that you really despise their opinions, but you still can't turn around and say, "Well, yeah." It, it's kind of like the the meme from um, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and this is just a, this is a throwback. So there, there's a scene in Falcon and Winter Soldier when Baron Zemo has been sprung in order to go on a mission with uh, Bucky and and Sam, right? Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they're in the plane. And I think he was talking about Marvin Gaye, and he was talking about Marvin Gaye's album. And Baron Zemo gives this very eloquent description of of the of the album. And Sam Falcon just turns around and says something along the lines of he's very he's he, he's something along the lines of um uh he, he's out of pocket but he's right kind of situation right where it's like you don't want to agree with the person because you hate what they stand for but the points they're making you can't disagree with it it's like so She Hulk anyway that's a She Hulk thing so they kept on talking about Mandalorian and I and I, as soon as I watched up to episode seven. And I finished it, and I, I I understood why they're complaining, and it's because season one and season two, the story essentially is, um, the Mandalorian is looking after Grogu, right? So that's that's what the story is. It's they have to escape. That's the primary story. Everything else that's happening around them is just fodder 
but the main storyline is those two, which is why even people were saying it's like season two and a half because the two episodes of Book of Boba Fett was focusing on those two, right? The relationship between those two, which is why they say that those are the best two episodes. Now that we've come into this third season, it's no longer about the two of them. It's about everything else. All those other stories have stepped in. And you even said it yourself. It all it's all seems like a story. It all seems like a buildup to a different story that's about to happen around the Mandalorian. So he's going to be drawn into this, this plot you know, that's happening. So I agree with you. I'm still enjoying it. I'm going to clean the other two episodes off. And I'm done, and, and I finish the season, and then I can go and start watching all the critiques, and then switching them off halfway through by saying, "No, you don't know what you're talking about. Just go and sit in your little cave somewhere, you troll." Um, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, all that to say, I have caught up with. I'm almost caught up with Mandalorian. I'm there. Uh, I know you've caught up with Ted Lasso. Uh, we're waiting for the next episode to drop so we can watch it. I think there are two more episodes left in Ted Lasso, and then that's the end of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Either way. Going back to Mandalorian, I, I actually think also, and this is, I think maybe this is uh, catching people by surprise. The first two seasons were uh, primarily about the Mandalorian. Yes. In this season, as well as the Mandalorian, the focus starts to slowly shift to Grogu. And you start to see Grogu grow. Um, and, and, and I think you, I, I'm not too sure, I can't remember, well, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I think if you see them when they go back to Mandalore, then yes. um, that's when it definitely starts to shift. You definitely start to see Grogu come, start coming into his own. Exactly, exactly. So, we, so, and it's more, it's the separation of the two of them. It's like the, the, there's, there's episodes where, you know they've completely split off. Even even the the Lizzo episode, Lizzo and Jack. Oh no no, he's in that as well. But he's I remember the flying thing. Okay, so essentially it is the the focus has moved away from that dynamic duo, and instead is focusing on either them separately or is focusing again. We talked about the the episode with the spy and the doctor, where it is just it's just about it's it's about other people other than our two protagonists. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. But we'll see how it goes. By the end of the season, let me turn around and say what I think, and see where we go from there. Okay, All right. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. Let's jump into film and TV news. <laughs> Now, the first thing we want to talk about in film and TV news is uh, news has just landed that Ray actor Ray Stevenson, who you recognize from uh, Pun- Punisher, Warzone, the TV show Rome, uh, Kill the Irishman. He was also in uh, the, fir- the, yeah, the the trilogy, Thor trilogy, as uh, oh, what was his character's name? I'll, I'll remember his character's name. Anyway, the actor Ray Stevenson has uh, unfortunately passed. Uh, the, at the moment, there is it, it hasn't been released what his uh, what, what was the cause of Volstag. That's it, um, Volstag from Thor hasn't been uh, revealed what the source of what the cause of death was. 
but uh, when I saw it flash, he he wasn't that old. Um, he's, I mean, he was what in his fifties, uh, and it's just you're hearing these kind of things. You know, you see these actors, very famous, very like they're in great character actors like Ray Stevenson. Um, they again, we're we're I guess we're reaching that age where a lot of people that we've been we've grown up watching. Uh, on TV, who've almost been like, you know, like those long lost friends are now passing away. And it's like, oh, okay, reminding us of mortality. Um, anyway, just long and short of it is, unfortunately, he has passed. I'm just reading details about him. Uh, named George Raymond Stevenson, was an actor from Northern Ireland, portrayed Dagonet in the film King Arthur and Titus Polo. That's where I first remember him. Titus Polo in the TV show Rome. That's where I first saw him, uh, and he was fantastic in that TV show. Um, and then after that, saw him in different other things, like he, you know, pop up as a bad guy in Dexter. Um, he, he obviously he was in. Um, uh, it, it, um, it was he played Blackbeard in the uh, pirate show Black Sails. That's it. He was fantastic as Blackbeard in the third and fourth season of uh, Black Sails. Then obviously joined the um, the uh, Marvel franchise in Thor as Volstag, one of the three friends of Thor. You know the big guy with a massive sword. Fan always always wanted to go into battle. Um, so, he, but he's he passed away on the twenty first of May uh, this year. Uh, he's survived by uh, his spouse Ruth Gemmel and two children. Uh, I just uh, it's words just it, words escape me just to talk about how how great an actor Ray Stevenson was, um, and it's, he's 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 going to be sadly lost. Rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. Producer Dave, do you remember Ray Stevenson in any particular roles that struck you? Um, I remember him in Rome, mm -hmm. and that's it. I, I do remember him in Rome. Oh, oh yes, and um, did you say Dog Soldiers as well? No, no, he wasn't in Dog Soldiers. Right, okay. The other actor that was in Dog Soldiers. Right, okay. Um, but also, people are going to get a chance to see him again because he's in the upcoming series of Ahsoka, which is... Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. you're right. That's yeah. going to be released in August this year. So that would be, he's already filmed that before he passed. Yeah. So yes, um, it's going to be a posthumous release. So yeah, that's going to be dedicated to him, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's one of the things where it's like, again, he died. He, I say so young, he was born in 1964. What's the maths on that? So he's 58. He died before his 59th birthday. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Anyway, it's just it just reminds you that life is short. Go grab life by the day, as they say. Do what it is you want to do because we don't know what's going to happen after um, after the big sleep or during that big sleep. So uh, follow Ray Stevenson's path. Go grab life. Do and uh, and be happy and and love love those that you want to. I don't get it philosophical. Love those that are near to you. And, uh, and enjoy life while you can. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And one of the reasons why we haven't had guests in the last couple of weeks is because a lot of our friends who are in the film industry are essentially flocking to the sunny, sunny, glorious uh, shores of Cannes. 
because it's now the Cannes Film Festival 2023. Um, and we know we, we a number of number of people that we know that we often have on the show have uh, have jetted over there. I believe Dom Lenoir is in Cannes. Uh, I know definitely Giles Alderson is in Cannes as well. I think the Shakespeare sisters might be heading over there. Obviously, the wonderful, talented, beautiful Jenna Suru uh, is is in Cannes, rocking it over there. As soon as she comes back, uh, well, well, as soon as Cannes is over, we're definitely going to get her on the show. And she's going to tell us a lot about what is happening in Cannes. So um, what I want to do is I want to just jump straight into um, uh, just just quickly look at one of the articles as to what's what's going to be showing in Cannes. So sort of the the um, the films that are going to be premiering at Cannes this year, because that's oh, one thing I've sort of sorry, you were going to say I was going to say one of the big films has been the final of the well, I don't know, there's no word for five, but uh, the, f the fifth and I think final um, Indiana Jones film. Absolutely. You read my mind. That's exactly what I was going to jump to. So Sky News are having details on Cannes Film Festival, what everyone's talking about. And the main picture they have on there is the fifth uh, installment in the Indiana Jones franchise, which is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, so, producer Dave, have you heard anything about this film? I've heard lots about it. Uh, luckily, I haven't seen. I've seen clips on it of it as well, and I think they've they've flashed back to the first one with the uh, the big boulder. <laughs> if it, yeah, I mean that's the iconic scene from from the first movie, the big boulder, and I think they flashed back to it in the film, and they sh showed a clip of that. Um, he's Harrison Ford is obviously what he's now eighty, so yeah. it's. Uh, it's a big ask for an uh, an eighty year old to be doing an action action film again, but uh, he he pulls it off. He does it, and uh, there are some kind of um, middling views on on the on it. That's what I remember seeing. Yep. So just reading from uh, the Sky News uh, Sky News page on what's happening at Campus Film Festival, the extract about Indiana Jones says here, while not part of the competition, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has premiered at Cannes. It has been an emotional ride for its star, Harrison Ford, who is not only saying goodbye to the role of Indy, but also bagging an honorary palm door while at the while appearing at the festival so he won palm d'or while he was there so that's good uh, directed by james mangold whose previous work includes logan and ford versus ferrari the film stars ford in his final outing as the iconic archaeologist while fleabag's phoebe waller bridge plays his goddaughter now that is one bit that is um sort of stirred again the the conservative twitter mob yeah, critiques because obviously uh, this is it's it's playing heavily and I've seen one trailer of it again I do my whole thing where a TV a film show that I want to watch I only watch one trailer a very long time before it comes out so I would have forgotten what's in the trailer but what I do remember is Phoebe Waller-Bridge appears a lot in it um so uh, again same thing with the critique where it's like, oh, it's not gonna be, it's it's gonna be less indie and more Wendy, um, kind of thing, where the the female protagonist is being pushed more into the forefront as the, you know, the same kind of argument that happens when there's a female Bond or there's a female character that's now pushed in. Now, a lot of those films and TV shows where I do agree with the criticism is usually where the female 
character that's being introduced is often being brought in uh, to the detriment of the male character, or rather, they'll bring the female character and they'll make her super, super smart, strong, capable. But then the original male character, they would basically make him now become incompetent. That kind, that's the bit where I'm like, you don't have to do that. You can make them both equally capable and make them stronger. Either way, I don't know if they're going to do that with the Indiana Jones franchise, the, this Indiana Jones film. They'll probably lie, you know, lean in more on the fact that he's older. As such, this is his last, as you know, Indiana Jones outing, and so that's probably what's going to happen. But you know, I, I, I really, really love watching Phoebe Waller Bridge in the stuff that she's done. Fleabag, an amazing season series, two seasons, really funny, really sharp, really well written. Um, I think there's pos there's a possibility that she may have contributed to the script. Possible, I don't know, maybe, that's what it is. But um, obviously it says here, it's the first film in the franchise that's not been directed by Steven Spielberg or written by George Lucas and has been a long time coming, initially intended for a release on the 19th of July, 2019. So, oof, four years. I know obviously COVID might have had a play in it, but four years this film has been sitting on the shelf. Yeah, but I don't understand that. If it was it was done in 2019, which was pre pre COVID, that's true. Um, the release was pre COVID. Yeah, yeah, the release was pre COVID. So you know I, why it was delayed from that release, I don't know. I mean, obviously, since then COVID COVID happened, so it yeah. wasn't going to be released in 2020 or possibly 2021. But it could have released it last year. They could have. They could have. Uh, who knows? Um, maybe they just wanted to, maybe different things happened in the background. They just wanted to sort of calm things down and then hit it back when it was, uh, when it was, it, you know, it wouldn't suffer any competition from the big stuff or because, you know, they were worried. They wanted to see how COVID is going to affect sales. They didn't want to go direct to DVD or direct to digital and so on. So, because that's what's this is going to be big when it comes to the cinema. Because as it says, it's Harrison Ford's last outing as Indiana Jones, so they don't want anything to affect that box office. It's, and it's, that's what it's going to do. He's going to smash box office records. But as you said, it's now coming out to middling reviews, right? Yep, yep, yep. So what else has been shown on at Cannes that they're yakking about? So uh, can uh, the number of things that they're talking about, one in particular is um, is a new Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. So this is Leonardo DiCaprio. has got uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. in it as well. So it's Killers of the Flower Moon is a Western crime drama from Martin Scorsese with a very starry cast, including Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons, and recent Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Uh, it is based on the book around a series of murders of members of the Os Osage tribe in Oklahoma during the 1920s after oil was discovered on tribal land, reported to have cost $160 million and not out in cinemas until October. The drama is expected to be an awards contender. I mean, Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, that's going to rack up Oscars next year. Then you have Asteroid City, which is a Wes Anderson film. And this one, you talk about Star Studded in the previous one. Wes Anderson doesn't do a he doesn't do a short film that is not packed with celebrities. So this Wes Anderson film packs uh, the 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 ensemble cast of uh, Jason Schwartzman, 
Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Adrian Brody, Liev Schreiber, Steve Carell, Matt Dillon, Hong Chow, Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, and Jeff Goldblum. Oof. Um, I saw a trailer for this one yesterday, and it's set in 1955. It's, a, it's about a junior stargazers convention, and it's among the films at Cannes hoping to take home the Palm Door. Uh, the trailer, it, it, again, it's quirky. It's 1955 settings. And I think if if I remember from the trailer, something about aliens having landed in this uh, at this convention. Uh, but it, it's 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 a quirky Wes Anderson film. I kind of like Wes Anderson sometimes. It's one of those things that on a summer day, I'll put on just chill, watch on my own, and it's fine. Um, May, December is another one from Ted Hines. Uh, this is, you know, he's known for his work, including Wonderstruck and Dark Waters. Uh, May, December stars Natalie Portman as an actress who goes to meet a woman played by Julianne Moore that Portman's character is going to play in a film. In real life, both stars have won Oscars in the past and the film is yet to be sold to a U.S. distributor. Uh, let's scroll through to see something else. Oh, Steve McQueen. Uh, has a has a documentary coming out called Occupied City. Uh, so one of Britain's most lauded directors, Sir Steve McQueen, has brought his new documentary Occupied City to this year's Cannes uh, as a special screening about Amsterdam, where he now lives with his wife, writer Bianca Steitka, who co-produced the film under na a Nazi occupation occupation during the Second World War. It has a whoa, it has a whopping 262 minute runtime. Jeez, why don't I just break it up into four part series? Anyway, uh, this is the first film directed by Steve McQueen. Oh, this is the first time Steve McQueen has directed a documentary feature, but his min his miniseries Uprising won a TV BAFTA last year. Uh, and then the last one that they've uh, they've highlighted is a Pixar. It's Pixar's latest offering. Now, I'm going to wrap up with this one, and now I'll, I'll explain. So this one is called Elemental. The latest offering from Pixar is set in a city where elements live together and is about a relationship between a fiery girl and a boy that is made from water who find that just because they can't touch one another means they have nothing in common. Okay, so this one... So I love... Pixar, right? I've I've loved Pixar for years, although I, I, I used to make sure I watched every single Pixar movie that came out from Toy Story 1, Monsters Inc., Incredibles, fantastic. Used to watch every single one of them every year when they came out. And I think it was Good Dinosaur was the first year I didn't watch, except Cars. I hate Cars. I absolutely do not like Cars 1, whatever. Anyway, did not watch that trilogy throwing out uh, it doesn't exist but then good dinosaur was where things dropped off for me and ever since then i didn't religiously dive in to watch every pixar movie and then i saw the trailer for elemental and it's the first time i saw a trailer from pixar that i went nah i'm okay i really don't it doesn't no i don't care and it might be different. It might be the fact that I'm going to watch it and then the, the Pixar magic will swallow me up. But I was like, no, this just, I'm, I'm now immune to your charms. So uh, I don't know. Have you seen, do you, have you heard of or seen Elemental? No, I haven't, no. But I t I'm not like you. I never watch 
as a matter of course uh, trailers and Pixar movies. Mm, yeah, okay. Mm, okay, we'll see. Who knows? Anyway, those are just a, a, a snatch uh, of, uh, of of some of the films that are currently uh, rocking it in Cannes, where all our friends are enjoying the champagne and the yachts and the beach and the music and the, and the films and all that stuff. And the, there's swanning amongst other celebrities and the glitterati of Hollywood who've now gone to France to enjoy themselves. Maybe next year we're going to shoot the breeze in Cannes and uh, and see and see what's like. Would you like to go to to Cam next year? Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I mean, I'm hoping that I can win the uh, lottery and I'll be able, definitely able to afford it. Uh, sure. Mm. Let's, let's, let's win the lottery and then we'll go and we'll go and sit and we'll do this next show in next year's show from the from the beach of Cam. Yeah, yeah, trying to That's track down a, a couple of celebrities just to say hello. <laughs> hello. That's our aspiration for next year. Yeah. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. And just before we jump into the spotlight section, uh, it, it just it just happened literally just now um, as we ju- just as we were about to start recording. Uh, it came on the news and I'm sure by this point, everybody would have heard of it. But um, uh, we, we've already done one rest in peace segment uh, today. I did not know that we we're going to be doing a second one because the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner, has sadly passed. So I'm going to jump into a Sky News uh, article. Uh, queen, of T- uh, queen of rock, Tina Turner, dies aged 83 in Switzerland. Uh, the singer began performing alongside her ex-husband, Ike Turner, who infamously subjected her to years of abuse. She resurrected her career from the doldrums in the 1980s, uh, taking it to new heights and becoming one of the world's biggest music stars. It doesn't say at the moment what, uh, it just says long term, uh, so for, she she died in her home after a long illness. Uh, with her, the world loses a music legend and a role model. Um, Tina Turner, everybody, I, I don't know who doesn't know Tina Turner, um, she basically, I mean, you've got simply the best. You've got uh, what's love got to do with it. Um, it's just it, her, her work is just undeniable. In fact, uh, uh, producer Dave, I uh, I ranted about, um, or I ranted, I spoke about uh, Ray Stevenson. Do you w- would you like to sort of give us a little bit more on your experiences with? Tina Turner's music or films or work? Well, to be quite honest, um, the stuff that she did in the 80s, I didn't really care for. I mean, they were really big tunes. Every time I think of Tina Turner, I always think of Nutbush City Limits. And I just think that is such an amazing tune and so so powerfully delivered as well. I just loved it. I I really, really love that tune. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I prefer even though it's not quite right to say it, but I prefer the st- a lot of the stuff that she did with um, Ike yeah. as, as Ike and Tina Turner 
um, to the stuff that she did as Tina Turner. And she appeared in some movies as well. I, which movie was it? It, it was she, uh, she Mad Max. Her, her, yeah, her movie, her movie, uh, movie career isn't that prolific, but she was the villain in Mad Max: Beyond the Thunderdome. Mm. Uh, and she appeared. She did appear in Tommy. She appeared in Last Action Hero. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I mean, she might have had a couple of TV appearances here and there and whatnot. She mainly stuck to music, but. The main movie role that she had was uh, Auntie Entity in Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, which is the third in the Mad Max trilogy with uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed quite a lot of her stuff with Ike and Tina Turner. I didn't really get on board. I, I think it's more likely that I just wasn't really that into 80s music. So, sure. Um, but those big tunes that she did, and she did famously that uh, duet with um, David Bowie, um, of which there is a tale, but I'm not going to say it here because it's so rude. But uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yes, <clears throat> yeah. You can tell I, me off it. It's yeah, I'll tell you off it. But yeah, it, um, I remember that, and I remember seeing that as well, and I've seen the, the banter between them two and finding out what that was all about. But uh, yeah, I... From musical memories is mostly with I can see in a turn. Okay, well, my, uh, my I mean, my knowledge of her was from the eighties with uh, "What's Love Got to Do with It?" Uh, you know, simply the best, the the big classic ones that she that she was that she was known for. Obviously, Goldeneye, uh, Bond, the, the Bond theme uh, that she did as well, and then Thunderdome. That the the, the first time I saw her was Beyond the Thunderdome. And then obviously, you know, we don't need another hero. That song as well, that stuck with me. So, but I'm I'm sure because her career long spanning, she's affected numerous people in multiple ways. Uh, and sadly, she has passed away. But I mean, she's lived a very, very long life, very colorful life, very successful life. She died at the age of 83, if I got that right. Um, Tina Turner, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, okay, so in our spotlight section today, we're going to be discussing a Collider.com article, the 10 best sci-fi movies to go into blind. Now, it's going to be difficult for us to go through this. Obviously, the whole article is looking at the idea of it, of you going in without knowing anything about the, the, uh, the movie. So what we're going to do, Producer Dave, are you a big fan of sci-fi movies? I quite like a lot of sci-fi movies, yeah. I mean, I did go into Alien Blind, so yes. All right, fair enough. <laughs> so let's, uh, it, it's going to be difficult for us to pick which one, you know, to go through and see whether you went into it blind. But if there were any that we go through in this list and you did go into it blind, let me know. But it, it, with regardless, if you've already seen it, let's go with the whole idea of, would you have preferred to have gone into a blind or did you go into a blind and just try and discuss from that angle? Does that make sense? Far away. All right. Let's, so we'll start with number 10. Now, number 10, they've gone with The Matrix, 1999's The Matrix, the first one. Did um, did you know about it before you went in to go watch it or did you go into it blind? Funny enough, I knew nothing about that film when I went to see it. I absolutely knew nothing about that film. I do recall, however, 
a friend of mine, a good friend of mine at the time saying one of my favorite movies is The Matrix and it's me wondering what it is. So I then pick up myself and go and see it. Didn't know anything about it, just on this recommendation. And yeah, it was a, it was a really good film to go in not knowing what it was about because then you're just blown away. If you walk into some films and you know something about it, then it does kind of spoil it, spoil it for you. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't, but sometimes it does. And for me, um, the, the whole concept of the different pills, the red pill, the blue pill, you know, um, was, you know, it's, it's a meme now, isn't it? it of course. It was, it was a meme. So yeah, it was a brilliant film to watch blind. I'm, I'm really glad to, to say I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about it when I went to see it. Okay. Well, some some of the movies on this list, um, especially the older ones, I did know stuff about. I did see trailers before I went in, but there are some that are more the the you know the the higher end of the list that are the more recent ones that I did go in blind. Matrix was one I didn't know about it before I went in. So, but either way, uh, there's, that movie was so phenomenal. Even if you went in blind, in fact, if anything, going in blind and not knowing what to expect and it hitting you from all angles. It's a it's, I can see how that would work. Number nine is Unbreakable from 2000. This is M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, do you remember, go, do you remember watching yes. that or do you remember hearing about and it? And that's before? another one I went in blind because all I knew was, I, I was told it was about superheroes, but that's it. Okay. And didn't know anything about it, so yes, and it was another good. That was another good film, actually. Yeah, yeah. See, that was one that uh, I didn't necessarily go into it blind, uh, but I didn't know what the full story was. All I knew was, um, you know, for the guy who made um, Sixth Sense is teaming up again with uh, Bruce Willis, and it's got Samuel Jackson in it as a as a an oddball character. And that's all I really knew about it. So I didn't know about the whole superhero angle. I watched it, loved that film. That, for me, is my second favorite Shyamalan movie of all time. Signs is still my number one favorite, um, even though a lot of people really pan that movie. They just they, they hate that movie for whatever reason, for the ending or for whatever. I still really enjoy that movie. But Unbreakable is my second favorite film from Shyamalan. All right, let's go to number eight. Number eight is Love and Monsters, which is on... Uh, Netflix, Love and Monsters. Not Have you seen, seen it. this film? Do you not know seen it, not heard about it. So don't spoil anything about it for me, just in case okay. I didn't manage to see it. So here's what I'm going to say. Go and watch. Now, this is your assignment, Producer Dave. Since you know nothing about Love and Monsters, go on to Netflix and watch it. Uh, it's the one that's starring... Um, it, it, it's got... Uh, what was it? It's not Dylan... Um, so, yeah, sorry, his name's right here. Dylan O'Brien, uh, Jessica Henwick, and Michael Rooker. Got those three in it, so you know which one you're looking for. Go and watch it. I won't tell you anything about it, but just check it out. I I knew a little, tiny little bit about it, and I watched it, and it 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 was really really good. It was like, yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, it is not um, like. Matrix level fantastic, but it is very, very well done. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. 
and we are in spotlight. We're talking about Collider.com's article, the 10 best sci-fi movies to go into blind. And we're now on number seven. So number seven is Coherence. Now, Coherence, have you heard of Coherence from 2013? No. Okay, so this one I haven't seen. However, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it is, yes, it is the one I'm thinking of. I watched a, a, one, a it was a YouTube channel, I can't remember which, I think it was Ending Explained, uh, and where it's a great, great YouTube channel. If you don't, if, if you, there are a whole bunch of horror films, if you don't really have the time to watch the horror films and you just want someone to, to walk you through the story and give you the reason, you know, what's happening at the end and explain some of the mysterious endings, that's a great show to, to watch on YouTube. Um, I'm not going to tell you about, uh, again, there's the thing. Do we talk about uh, coherence? Actually, we just, you know, as the, the title, as it is, what it is, before you go into it. So it's a, it's it's about a dinner party that some friends have when a comet flies overhead. That's all I'm going to say about that. So a comet flies over the, oh, oh, you know, it's, it's, the comet shoots through the sky while these people are having, these group of friends are having a, a dinner party and it's the effect of what that you know what happens from that comet flying by that is just it's 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 a very intriguing story um watch it if you get the chance and let us know what you think uh from there okay uh, uh number six is annihilation on uh on net it's actually on netflix i don't know if it's still on netflix but annihilation 2018 movie starring Natalie Portman. Have you seen this film? No, I haven't. Okay. I saw this film. I saw a very quick trailer for it. Didn't know what it was about. Went in to watch it. It's very weird. It's very good. Um, I think the ending is a little bit of a uh, eh, kind of reaction for me. Uh, but everything leading up to it was really, really good. It's got um, uh, well, Tessa Thompson in it. It's got uh, Gina Rodriguez from not Ugly Betty, but the other one. Um, ooh, what was that one? The 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 Mexican comedy soap opera where Jane the Virgin, that's the one, Jane the Virgin. Um, she, she's fantastic in it, completely plays against type. Really, really good. Oscar Isaac, I, I love Oscar Isaac and everything he does. Um, it, it, it's a good film. Annihilation, very, very good. Number five, Predestination. Ethan Hawke. Have you seen this? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one either. Okay, so if Predestination is the one I'm thinking of, I'm just going to look at the uh, the uh, the the blurb on it. It says, uh, "Looking for an underrated sci-fi film that that is especially great if you go in cold turkey. Look no further than this action-packed film, Predestination. Ethan Hawke shoulders as uh, shoulders the lead as an agent." Who goes on an assignment that takes a remarkable turn? Hmm. Okay, so this one I may be confusing it with something else. So I'm gonna give myself the assignment to go and watch this film and see if if uh, if it's if it's what I think it is. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um. Anyway, uh, we'll jump to number four and then we'll uh, we'll we'll look at the last uh, three. Uh, number four is The Edge of Tomorrow, 2014. Do you remember this one? This is a Tom Cruise one. No, uh, I don't remember you, that one at all. You've never heard of The Edge of Tomorrow? 
I, I went through a period where I was just avoiding anything that starred John, uh, Tom Cruise. Okay, maybe this might help you. Live, die, repeat. It's got Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Mm, yeah, and? Where, oh, fair enough. Where Tom Cruise plays a soldier in a war where they're fighting aliens. And it's Groundhog Day oh, for Tom Cruise. Oh, good Lord. Is that the edge of tomorrow? That's what I just said. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, okay. So, you know. <laughs> Have you heard of this movie? Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. I haven't seen oh. it. Like I said, I was going through a phase at that time where I avoided Tom Cruise. He was popping out a film every six months. And I was like, oh, sure. my God. Sure. All right. <laughs> Producer Dave, go and watch The Edge of Tomorrow. And it, honestly, this movie is it, it's up there as one of his better films of the recent years. Um, because in the recent years, he's mainly been pumping out Mission Impossible movies, right? Mission Impossible, if it's not Mission Impossible or Top Gun that he's done in the last 10 years, um, then, then it's Edge of Tomorrow. And it is amazing. It is a great film. You see a great character arc from his character. It's got a whole bunch of awesome supporting characters in there. Uh, Bill Paxton's in it. It, Emily Blunt is just phenomenal in it. Go check it out. It's called Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, all I'm going to say to you is it's a, it's a film where they fight aliens and it's Groundhog Day. That is all I'll give you. In fact, even me saying that to you is giving you way too much information. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are talking about Collider.com's article, uh, 10 best sci-fi films to watch blind uh, or to go into blind. And we're number three, which is Upgrade in 2018. Does that name sound familiar to you, Producer Dave? Upgrade? The name sounds familiar, yes, but I haven't seen the film. So it's a film where uh, a man played by uh, Logan Marshall Green, uh, it's, in, it's set in the future where he's paralyzed after a mugging kills his wife. Um, and they install a chip in him that's supposed to help him with his paralysis and it does but to extraordinary effects it sounds like an interesting movie oh it's it's a good movie it is you want your it's a it's a rough and ready action-packed sci-fi film that is it's the acting in it is fantastic logan marshall green seen him in a number of things uh but he's fantastic in it the twists just keep coming in the movie it is a great film you should i agree it's one of the ones that you shouldn't hear anything else about it just go and watch it it's upgrade i don't think it's on netflix but you can find it it's been out for a while number two the arrival or not not the arrival just arrival this is the one with uh, uh amy adams and hawkeye what's hawkeye's name um Oh, uh, Jeremy Renner, sorry. Uh, Hawkeye, it's Hawkeye. Uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Have you heard of The Arrival? Or oh, I keep saying The Arrival. The Arrival is a completely different film. It's called Arrival. It's directed by Den uh, Denis Villeneuve, who did uh, Dune and Blade Runner uh, 2049. Have you heard of this film? I've seen this film. and I Oh, you've seen it. What do you think? I, I went into this blind and it's going to be shown 
this well it may have already been shown on film four this week they've um film four have had an alien week running yeah and uh arrival is one of the films and i was dragged to see this film against my own wishes i was like <laughs> oh good gosh but it is certainly a brilliant film and ah uh, the alien in this this film wicked absolutely great film so i've seen it three times now i mean three times yeah wow. i've seen it three times it's it's a, one of those really 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 good films um and so far different to other other ones and i love that that loop that you get in there which is so subtle you you almost don't see it coming well you you don't see it until it, it, it arrives if you see what i mean you just don't yeah, I, I, don't say anymore don't say no anymore. no no say that's, that's that's why that's why i I'm, i was trying trying my best not to say anything but it, it is actually really really good uh I, yeah. yeah i've seen it once i remember where i was when i saw it i was on a trip to um to i say i remember where i saw it and then i can't remember the philippines for work and it was a week working over a weekend and the weekend i left my own devices i wander into cinema and i see uh the theater and like excellent i can go check this out and i go i sit down and i watch it and it's amazing did i no i'm sorry i'm confusing when i saw it that, that's how great it was my memory is shot and it is like uh, uh, that's that's when i saw glass not glass on it that's what i saw uh, knives out i saw knives out in the philippines i saw arrival in houston completely different film okay but even still i want to go and watch arrival again because it was a great film fantastic twists um just thinking about it now i want to go watch it again anyway so that was uh, that one and this one is number one and this one that i did not go into it blind i went into it knowing what knowing a little bit about what it was the filmmaker likes to try and keep everybody in the dark before you go and see it, uh, before you see any of his films. Uh, and I mean, without me even saying what the name of the film is, producer Dave, can you suss out which film I'm referring to, which film I'm referring when I talk about the director having all his people doing NDAs and is such is held and shrouded in such secrecy and everything else does, does anything spring to mind you i already know which one is at, at number one which one inception well done that's exactly it inception 2010 leonardo dicaprio christopher nolan uh he's got all all his usual players in there uh, Ma uh marion cotillard uh ellen page um or now Elliot Page but, but was Ellen Page back then um uh Tom Hardy uh Killian Murphy Michael Caine all of the people were in it fantastic fantastic movie did you go into this blind or did you hear about it before you went and watched it I, I heard bits about it I didn't go into it totally blind so I heard bits about it but I'm, I'm actually surprised because I would have thought that contact would have been in there as well oh that's true yeah the the robert zemeckis film yeah with jodie foster and um, michael mcconaughey uh yeah michael mcconaughey yeah and james woods and whatever but yeah no i i actually thought thought that one would have fitted in there quite nicely around about seven 
between five and seven, either five, six, or seven. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Um, all right. So just having finished with that one, um, that one list, um, I just saw a, on same collider.com another list that I want to kind of fire through, asking you which one we're going to do a quick. Have you seen, have you not seen, or what do you think? And the title on Collider.com is The Nine Most Underrated Sci-Fi Movies of the 2000s, Ranked. So let's go with this. Number nine, Supernova. Have you seen it? No. Have you? I haven't seen Supernova, no. But it's got a whole bunch of people that I would like to actually see in a film. It's got James Spader, Angela Bassett, Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, it, I, I'm, that's one I might go and have a look at, a look for. Um, number eight, Ghosts of Mars. No, I've heard about it. It's supposed to be pretty good, actually. That yeah, that has uh, and um, what's her name, uh, Pam Grier in it, Jason Statham, uh, I think Natasha Kinski, or I might be mistaken. It's not Natasha Kinski, uh, but anyway, that one I haven't seen either. But I'm, I'm not in, not too much in a rush to see that one. Anyway, number seven, Ultraviolet. Yeah, this one's been on TV several times, and I have caught bits and pieces of it. I didn't didn't know about it before seeing it, but yeah, and it stars um, Mila Jovovich. Uh, yeah, who was in oh gosh, what's it called again? The Resident Evil movies. Yeah, no, not the not the Resident Evil one. The one she starred with Bruce. That's it. Yeah, which yeah. I which even though a lot of people panned it, I really liked. Who panned Fifth Element? They can go to hell. Honestly, <laughs> it's an amazing film. I know, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. especially that uh, that opera scene. Oh, fantastic. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and what's okay. his name? That the, the standout for me in that was, uh, oh, God. Chris Tucker? Yes. It, it, oh, gosh. He stole it. He stole it. <laughs> well, okay, stole, I've heard a lot of people know, say he You lift it. your hand and say, amen, he stole that film. I've heard a lot of people say he ruined it, but sure. Oh, no, 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 man. He, he mashed up the screen. He, he was brilliant. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, think about this skinny black guy in these tight leotard things, just like prancing around like some big old queen. And he's shagging the women left, right, and leading center. It's just like, oh, my God. Talk about turning some things upside down. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Fair enough. Don't, don't get me wrong. Chris Tucker doesn't put me off that movie. I like Chris Tucker anyway. Uh, but for me, standout was Millie Jokovic. Her first film ever. And she just, she, for me, she nailed it. Oh, Probably she nailed it. Pass. Yeah, totally. But he stole. He stole. He stole. Every scene was in, he stole. Telling you. Well, number six uh, of the of uh, Collider.com's uh, underrated sci-fi movies of the 2000s was The Cell with jennifer lopez have you seen this one no I'm, I'm i have to say that uh, as soon as you said jennifer lopez it was like oh yes one of those films that i thought no never <laughs> well i saw this one when it came out and it is it's it's very twisty it's very um colorful uh, she plays a therapist a psycho a psychologist who is being brought in to go into the mind of a serial killer played by vincent d'onofrio i mean Vincent D'Onofrio is just amazing as an actor uh, because they're trying to uh, find ev any evidence to find where his last victim is trapped. So she's going to go. So imagine Inception, but with more, with, with just weird colors and and imagery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, for me, I, I can see where they were going with it. 
Um, I wouldn't go and watch it again, but I guess I could, that's why they call it underrated. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And we're on number five of Collider.com's underrated sci-fi movies of the 2000s with number five, Evolution. Do you remember this film from 2001? I remember the film, but I never saw it. David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, um, uh, a number of other people in it. I love this movie when it came out. I watched it. I've watched it on loop numerous times. Really, really big fan of the movie. Um, it's a comedy. Uh, meteorite lands on Earth, and it brings a a an alien like goo that is just basically uh, um, multi like fast forwarding the evolution of various animals and creatures and whatnot, and it's about to take over the planet. And uh, David Duchovny and Orlando Jones are both college professors. Uh, and they team up to try and stop the, uh, the the these this alien from taking over. Great, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with this list. Underrated. Number four, Pitch Black. Do you remember this film? Yeah, I remember it. I think I saw it on TV. Um, it was alright. I thought it was okay. I oh, think they made a they, they made a what's it called sequel to this, didn't they? They made two sequels. So it's the it's the uh, Riddick. Um, sequels, if you will. So That's it. Pitch, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Pitch Black was focused on if Pitch Black, Vin Diesel. He's a the the first film is about him being transported to a to to a, um, a prison on the moon. He's a very dangerous criminal. He's being transported to a, a, a you know a moon based prison where they accidentally crash on a on a desert island planet, if you will, um, where there are, t- there are loads of like deadly creatures that come out at night to, and it kills everybody, it tries to kill everybody. So the team have to huddle around, uh, you know, and protect themselves until either they're rescued or the sun comes up. And um, Riddick, because he knew which planet he was, because he knew he was going to prison in order to keep himself safe, before he had been arrested, he had this operation done to his eyes where he can see in the night. So he's their only hope to say stay safe in the night. It's a great film. No, great I've seen film. it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the two sequels didn't do justice any at all because they kind of wanted to expand on the mythology. And it's like, ugh, uh, you 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 got to ruined it. Well done for, for ruining it. But Pitch Black itself, fantastic movie. Um, all right, number th- uh, number three. Ooh, this one. I remember this one. The Fountain. Do you remember the fountain? It's got nope. uh, Hugh, Didn't see Hugh it. Jackman and Rachel Weiss. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. I saw it. Um, it's like three different stories, um, it, it, where it's the three characters, the, the 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 two of them are lovers bound through centuries. So there's um the first story or one all the stories are told at the same time, but it's the two of them in in each of the stories. So one is I think he was a Spanish conquistador and I think she's either his queen or his wife I think so and then the, the second second one is whatever in, in, in modern times it doesn't matter it's it's a very twisty twisty film Darren Aronofsky go check it out if you want to number two and it's not number two it should be number one Serenity have you seen Serenity yes you know I've seen Serenity you had we had a discussion about it move on of course yeah <laughs> it's like wrap up wrap up anyway number one is The Man From Earth never heard of this film before uh, have you heard of this film Man From Earth uh, only now 
Only now. Okay, fair enough. Well, see, they should swap it around. Anyway, you've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. Saying thank you very much for listening. Oh, you've gone without your usual speech, but however, I'll see you next time. You, you were telling me, wrap it, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. So that's why I didn't get to say I'll, I'll use this opportunity to say thank you all very much for listening and... See you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.